0: Hello, welcome to 1000 Words, Stories on the Way. My name is Matthew Clark. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, So I've been thinking about this idea of not being afraid to be a beginner, or a beginner again, and I find myself wanting to do things that I already know how to do, mainly because I'm making decisions out of fear. Um, I don't want to look or feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I think it, it's a scary feeling, but maybe it could actually become a fun feeling. Chesterton says you can't be brave if you're not afraid, and, uh, and that nothing new happens without being willing to be a beginner. Um, I remember an old friend joking that the, the thing that frustrated him the most about being a new father was how utterly incompetent children are. They're just terrible at everything. They don't know how to do anything well. How embarrassing. And, and I feel like that sometimes, like, oh, I don't want to do something I'm not already good at, but you have to begin somewhere. Uh, as I was thinking about all of this, I kept finding myself musing on Nicodemus. Here's an old man who up till this point in his life has always known how to handle... You know, pretty much any situation. But it's not working anymore. And he's realizing he's going to have to shed all of the security that his sense of competency affords him. And he's going to have to become a beginner all over again. This professional teacher is going to have to go back to kindergarten. How embarrassing. Um, So I wonder if anything like that was going through Nicodemus' mind. In the weeks and months following his conversation with Jesus. I don't know, but I want to try something a little different myself with this episode. I want to try to be brave and write a kind of uh, experimental, fictional imagining of what Nicodemus may have felt as, as a kind of imaginative exercise um, to explore this idea of how Jesus calls us to live as people who learn to see uh, beginning again and again as a good thing. But before I do that, just one disclaimer. I don't think that all Jesus meant by telling Nicodemus that he must be born again was just a kind of like morally helpful metaphor. The church has always taught that new birth is an actual supernatural miracle enacted by God the Holy Spirit when we trust Jesus. And it transforms us from one kind of thing into another kind of thing. A creature uh, into a family member. And like John 1 12 through 13 says. So, having said that, uh, here is this week's episode Being a Beginner Again. The old man furrows his brow and says nothing. He's trying to get to some thought that's out of reach. No amount of education or professional experience has prepared him for this. And Nicodemus, normally a fluent and wise teacher, any time he's ever been asked a question, is struck dumb. Childlike utterances are the best he can do. But how? he asks Jesus. Born again? What are you talking about? Recently, he's been feeling two things at once. Both the encroaching of a strange darkness within himself, a kind of awareness of his own smallness, and the approach of a light that is lovely, but itself strange to him. Strange and familiar, In the night, he has crept towards this strange, luminous face that has been lately drawing crowds in the city streets. He's heard the chatter, of course. He's been looking into it, applying all of his know-how, and still coming up short. Deciding to find out for himself rather than depend on second-hand gossip, he's come here and is sitting alone with his new teacher, Jesus. The best advice his father had ever given him was that if you don't know something, find someone who does, and ask. Nicodemus has just about run himself crazy trying to comprehend his own failure to comprehend. And a combination of helplessness and perhaps even wonder have compelled him to find a way to meet with Jesus. But so far, it hasn't been quite what he expected. Whatever it was he expected, the clarity hasn't come. The questions have only deepened. As his sense of competency continues to slip, he's uncomfortable. Nicodemus. Jesus leaned forward and put his hand on the old man's arm. Most people shut the light out because it exposes their dark deeds but not you. Look, you've moved toward the light. That's something, isn't it? Yes, that's something, he thinks, as he wanders the marketplace, almost in a stupor. Days have passed, and he can't get the conversation off of his mind. There is a light beginning to dawn for him, he feels, but its effect is almost to bring another kind of darkness, not an evil darkness. But a darkness like gestation, like a mystery gathering life, a thought in the mind preparing to be clothed by action, or a music composing in a warm shadowed silence, he listens. His mercies are new every morning, so great is his faithfulness. Lips move in the dim light before dawn, whispering prayers with hands raised. Empty hands, worn hands opening to receive. A baby's crying drifts to his ears, from a house somewhere. The old man looks at his hands, as the light lays upon them like a gleaming liquid, filling and showing the markings of gathered years. The wrinkles life's leaving is left. That finger is crooked from an old injury, the other is from arthritis. But his own hands seem strange to him now, like they've been dipped in the radiance of another world and pulled back slowly into this one, upon whose eastern horizon an ancient sun is just beginning to appear. Jeremiah's lament seems appropriate to him, and he laughs quietly to himself, thinking, Can an old fool begin again? Be born again? At the noonday meal, he asks a friend, What would you do if you'd been born blind and suddenly healed? His friend had said something very appropriate about praising God for a miracle, But Nicodemus had wondered whether the adjustment would be equally wonderful and distressing. What if you hadn't known you were blind in the first place? What if what you had thought was light wasn't? Or was just a tiny glimmer of something greater than you'd ever imagined? Like growing up underground and calling your lamp the sun. And one day the roof caves in and there's the real heavenly body gazing in upon you and a stone has fallen to crush your poor lamp. The whole blazing world would be wonderfully new, miraculously brilliant, and in a way, terrifying. Ironically, to turn toward the sun would be at the same time to be oriented to reality and disorienting as you left all you'd held to. Leaving the familiar blindness behind would be a kind of death in order to live. Nicodemus lay in bed that night, unable to sleep. Amidst the many unfixed thoughts that stormed in his mind, one fixity there was. He saw the face of the young teacher, Jesus, and it was repeating, You must be born again, old man. The face seemed to grow the way the river grew in Ezekiel's vision, ever deepening as he waded further and further in. The face of Jesus in his memory was as deadly serious as a child at play. Nicodemus waited for the joke in Jesus' words to be revealed, but no such relief came. Jesus and his words just hung there. That night he dreamed of his own mother. It seemed he saw her, before his own birth, a young, vital woman, newly married, Now she was growing a new life within her, leaving an old way of life behind her, and her face was all gladness. Even when there was worry, it was encircled by a city wall of gladness. The unknown that faced her would soon show its own little gleaming face, and the little stranger would be welcomed, until the young mother would say, How strange to think of life without you, little one. Child will be born to us, a son given. Again the lips move in the soft light before dawn, Whispering prayers with hands raised, Empty hands, worn hands opened to receive. He thought of Isaiah's words almost immediately upon waking from the dream of his mother. The fertile darkness of the womb from which he had emerged long ago strange and new into the brilliance of this world, seemed to be encircling him now, again. This man Jesus, his face, his words, was becoming like a presence in an inner room that moves outward until all that once contained it is now contained within it. Like a little hummed tune that swells into a dance, like the tiny seed of joy in the heart that traces its tingling tendrils all over until the whole body is borne up by laughter. I'd like to close this episode with a short prayer I found online. It's part of an Anglican baptism service. And it draws a lot of language from Nicodemus' conversation with Jesus. Um, Of course, it would be a whole other conversation to bring up all the cool connections between new birth and baptism. Um, The first that comes to mind would be like the Exodus where the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. Anyway, that's a really fascinating thing to think about. But for now, I'm just feeling really thankful uh, for Nicodemus' response to Jesus. Though I imagine he wrestled with it. The last line of this prayer says, God calls us to fullness of life. For a baby, that comes after having been born. And for Nicodemus and for us, that comes after entrusting ourselves to our Father and becoming like children again. Um, And maybe that feels, you know, embarrassing. uh, But it's also a really wonderful thing. So here is this, this prayer. Our Lord Jesus has told us, that to enter the kingdom of heaven we must be born again of water and the Spirit and has given us baptism as the sign and seal of this new birth. Here we are washed by the Holy Spirit and made clean. Here we are clothed with Christ, dying to sin that we may live His risen life. As children of God, We have a new dignity, and God calls us to fullness of life. Amen. Well, thanks so much for listening. Go be brave. Trust the Lord. Be born again, even if you feel old and worn out. Uh, Jesus is all about putting His new life in us. If you like this episode, leave a review and uh, share it with your friends. That is all for this week. I will see you next time. Thanks for listening.